Welcome into the first episode of Silver Synopsis, where we're going to be taking a look at every team in Major League Soccer. There's a lot of them. We can't keep up. We need help from you guys, the community, anybody involved. And guess what? Since it's the first one, we're going to we're going to work through things. And the best way to do it is Orlando City, the team we all love, know the most. As oh. always, I got Chris, the MLS card guy, to come rain on our parades. But yes. we have a special guest, Mike, MCG1848, commonly found in the Major League. So rare, the best place to go for all your MLS needs and wants. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to uh, talking about the best, the best and the yeah, most massive club in uh, Major League Soccer. Oh, I didn't Orlando. know we were talking about DC this episode. This is cool. <laughs> okay, calm I down. love this, that. This, All right, Orlando City is massive, and we're going to get into it straight. Orlando City, straight from the go. But first, for those who don't know Mike, and we all know Mike, obviously we're all best friends. We all hang out all the time. Mike, how long have you been on SoRare? And uh, tell me about your gallery. Where are you sitting? What do you prioritize? And uh, how do you have fun on this SoRare thing that we love? Uh, so I, I think overall I've been on since uh, probably April of 21. So I was part of the uh, the Gary V Boomers. Uh oh. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, have a good time. I think obviously I've you know prioritized a lot of uh, the Orlando City and and a lot of America guys. Looking forward to some uh, Liga Emekis coming back, and then uh, yeah, whatever I can do to try and expand some some of my uh, horizons and learn some new leagues and everything. So. Picked up uh, a nasty Napoli habit uh, oh. from, from So Rare, which was great last year and uh, not so great this year. So, hey, was it that, those? Those were the Chucky Lozano days, weren't they? Yeah, that was, that was probably <laughs> early enough. So, where, as far as like So Rare, like scarcity wise, are you in rare, super rares? Like, where where are you commonly found it? Yeah, I would say mainly rares. Uh, dabble in super rare a little bit, so kind of that, that rare pro, rare plus, whatever we're calling that these days. Um, and and then for the uh, the guys that I can't necessarily uh, afford in rare, I'll, I do have a you know pretty good uh, amount of uh, limited. So that's where I have some of the the Napoli collection and and some of those guys. All right, there we go. See, see, we got we got some big players over here. We're uh, some of us limit little limited minnows over here. We're hanging out, but it's all the same. And we love Orlando City. My gallery is basically Orlando City, like yours is. And there are some good, some bad. Chris, do you have any Orlando City players? Oh, of course. I'm like one of the biggest Facundo fans in the world. I'm pretty sure I bought. I'm pretty sure I bought an extra Facundo for like a giveaway at one point. Um, and then we didn't end up using it. And I've just had two Facundas in my gallery ever since. Oh, oh how convenient. How yeah. Convenient. It's weird that that just ended up that way. It was it's super weird. <laughs> um, so I love that you brought up Facundo Torres, right? Because as we know, Facundo Torres, we thought he was going to leave. Arsenal wanted him, baby, but they didn't get him. Because you know what? We have signed him again for what feels like the third time. Extended him again. Now we have him through 26 with an option for 27 and 28. So right now it's the off season. We know we got things coming. We have an open DP slot. Mike, let me take it to you first because everything kind of ran on what Facundo was going to do, right? Whether he was going to leave and like how the team was going to be built after that. Now that he's staying, what happens now? What, what, what do we have to look forward to? <laughs> That's the, the the loaded question. As if, if anybody can understand uh, Oscar Pereira and read the tea leaves, let me know. Um, so, you know, I, I, 
a lot's been made about the switch. So he's he's changed jersey numbers from 17 to number 10. So that that's come with a lot of speculation that maybe he slides inside, plays that uh, you know a center attack and mid roll, and uh, a lot of it you know. So you're just kind of waiting, I think, for some of the actual the other dominoes to drop. You know that you you've got Nico Ladero coming in. You know, obviously he plays the position, but he's a we'll call him an elder statesman. You know, so mm -hmm. at, at his age, what do you, you know, how, getting how the senior citizen play? discount for sure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, how many minutes does he give you? I mean, that's kind of what, you know, what we're all looking to is just see what, uh, you know, what you can get out of him. Does he play just big games? I mean, it's obviously brutal here in the summers, you know. Oh, so what do you, what, what's your answer to that question personally? Like, what do you think? Because I think me and Jorge are a little bit split on that question. I think he thinks... Nico is going to be a big part and I think he's too old and he's washed and he's not going to do much. So what's your opinion? Well, I think he's kind of a stopgap. I mean, for me, um, I, I was never of the opinion that we were going to go out and sign, you know, the right fit uh, in terms of a cam, like just to end the season. I think we might have an eye towards Europe and it might be a summer signing. So for me, I think he probably plays a lot early. And, and then kind of transitions a little bit into that super sub role towards the second half of the season. Um, that's kind of where, where I, I think he'll give you the big games. Obviously he's, you know, we've got some games versus, uh, you know, in, in the, the CCC, whatever we're, you know, the, the CONCACAF, whatever Champions it is. Cup. It changes Champions it. Cup. Yeah. So, you know, I think <laughs> early on, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, early on, I think he'll give you he'll give you a lot, and then I think as the season goes on, you know, kind of uh, transition to a little bit more of a super sub and just play in selective games. Obviously, you know, he'll be featuring a lot of the games versus uh, the flamingos and you know all, all that stuff. You know, some of the Atlanta games and everything as well. So, do you think it'll be super effective time that he gets here, or do you think it'll be just kind of average quality? Um, like, what what do you think the level of Nico is at this point? with the minutes that he can play. Yeah, I mean he he's he's coming and he's he's stepping into the role of uh Pereira. You know, you know, so he he right. gave you assists, he didn't necessarily give you goals. He's probably a little more attack minded. So from that standpoint, it's a it's a higher bar, I think. Um in theory. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we saw Pereira in in however many years he he hit one banger you know, obviously he was really good at those line breaking passes, but um, so if he could give you some of that, I mean, I don't think any of us were really under the impression that uh, Nico's going to step in and, and be the Nico of four years ago, you know, so I, I think if, but he, he can be a step up from where Pereira was just in terms of, you know, shots and, and then just kind of creating some, some goal uh, opportunities, then, then I think that, you know, he'll be a, a good, savvy uh, veteran signing especially in the free agent market so so if i have to put you on the spot what do you think his average is elf you know l15 l40 whatever at orlando for the whole season what do you think his average shower score is yeah i mean i i think you're probably you know 55 ish i mean the first half of the season i'd say that and that. it probably tapers off as the season goes on as he gets more sub appearances so you know may, maybe from that standpoint he's he's going to be around you know 45 to 50 what do you think yeah, what do you guys this is, i had a feeling this was going to happen because i've been very anti like i haven't wanted to go pick up a ladero i was like whatever i'll pick up his orlando card obviously because i'm needed for the collection but i was like 
like I, I know I agree with you that especially at the beginning, like he's gonna be the starter, he's gonna be the 10. Like you said, he slots in almost like for like with, with Pereira, but more decisive dangerous. He's gonna be you know, they can make the passes, he can hit them in, you know. But I feel and like Pereira, like he had it. You you would see a lot of the times you'd see the pass there, you'd see the run, you see that the idea was there, but he was too slow to pick up his head and see it, or he'd have to take one too many touches to settle the ball. And by then, like the gap was closed. So I think that Nico with his experience being a little bit better might be able to capitalize on that. And who knows, maybe that does change the trajectory of this team where, you know, it wasn't that we necessarily played bad a lot of the times. It's just, we just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, Nico definitely changes that. And now not even that, but Nico being the player that he is and the pedigree that he has teams, almost, it takes some focus away from Faku because they know they can't just let Nico just sit unmarked. Right. Like it's just one more person you can't just leave there because you know he's goal dangerous. Where maybe they stepped off Pereira a little bit because you know you know they, they knew he wasn't that much of a threat. So yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you, you look at the sort of the uh, the league's cup. I think you kind of picked up on on what I think you know his his role is, which is just kind of relieve some of the pressures off of uh, Torres, and then maybe find if if they get a good way for Ojeda to kind of work into the mix as well. Um, you know, some of those bigger games, you know, I, th I think if you were to go and look at actually what Facundo did, especially last year, he kind of feasted it, at least through the League's Cup. So the first part of the season, he kind of feasted on lower competition. You know, there was, the, you know, a lot of goals versus Red Bulls versus Toronto. And then obviously he hit a stride after League's Cup. But then the big game, obviously, versus uh, versus uh, Pembroke Pines, you know, uh, if it's just a little harder for them. So, and that's where we really need to get to just in terms of, we need our designated players to be the best player on the field and show up in some of those big games. So, you know, yeah, I think Facundo did that after league's cup, you know, especially as we got towards the, uh, you know, the later on stages of the, in the season and all that. So if it's an, another, uh, another body that uh, some of those, the bigger teams need to mark, then I think that's what uh, the role that, that he has to play. No. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so here's another thing that I want to bring up to you because we're kind of rolling and we have the Facundo thing, right? But then we look on the other side where we, we officially signed Angulo, right? We had the loan to, towards the summer. We extended it to the end of the season and we finally got the deal done. Angulo's coming back. Well, we have a DP Ojeda who is sitting on the bench. I know you have your own personal feelings about Angulo. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, Who's going to be on the other side? Is it going to be Angula or is it going to, be, or do you think Ojeda gets maybe another shot at redemption here? Because he is a DP. We're paying him. Yeah. I mean, that's what Pereira's getting. He's got to earn his money this year. So he's got to figure out a way to get Ojeda and, and uh, Torres on the field. I think the thing that Angulo gives you is he doesn't have to have the ball at his feet, right? He He's he's good at stretching, getting in behind defenses, you know, and, and then he kind of turns into, uh, you know, mush when he, when he gets in the final third. So he's got, he's got to figure out to, you know, you know, so to be a little bit more clinical, a little bit more decisive and, you know, be able to, to kind of put some of those balls in the back of the net or kind of create some opportunities for some of those guys when he does get forward. So, you know, for me, the thing that Ojeda gives you is he's versatile, right? So you bring, you brought him up last year. He's obviously really effective coming off the bench. He's just in terms of like per minutes, he's probably one of the most productive players in the league. But uh, the, the thing that if you put him next to Torres and especially if you put him next to Nico now, 
they all seem to want the ball. And that was always the thing with Ramiro and Rika as well. You know, so you have to have those guys. And that's where I think, obviously, Pereira is, you know, favors Angulo just from the standpoint. He, he doesn't absolutely have to have the ball to speak. And he's got the Colombian connection, too. He's been trying to get uh, uh, Pereira's trying trying to get um, not Pereja has, has is trying to get uh, Angulo some looks for the Colombian national team. So I, I, I still think that, you know, Angulo will feature quite a lot. What about you, Chris? Because I know we, we've exchanged words. Anytime he misses a sitter, I know within seconds, Chris is going, so Angulo, yo. <laughs> Angulo, I don't even on? watch Orlando City, and I know when he misses sitters. Like, he's missed <laughs> so many freaking sitters. It's insane. And the only reason I know that is because I have him on one of my teams as well. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good point. That's something that um, Atlanta kind of ran into. Like everybody needed the ball at their feet, and there's only one ball to go around. And you need that like different style of player that can kind of get in behind and um, and do some different things. And that's why I think they got rid of like Barco and, and guys like that to kind of you know make the space for that Almada needs to be you know his best self. And I think Orlando. Absolutely has to do the same thing, especially with Facundo signing a long-term deal. I think you got to feature him. Um, and so if that means, you know, getting rid of somebody else and opening up a DP spot, great. Um, but I don't, I mean, short-term, obviously you got to figure it out, but long-term do you, I mean, it would make sense to kind of get rid of him, right? Like get rid of, um, I forget the other guy's name. Sorry. I'm not looking at the depth chart. Ojeda? Ojeda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ojeda. It would make sense to get rid of Ojeda, right? Well, I think they're all – I mean, they're still looking to for, you know, the kind of the post-Facundo, you know, when he does go to Europe because it's always been a when and not an if, right? Yeah. So I And Ojeda is kind of like the like-for-like like in terms of, you know, when Facundo leaves to go somewhere else, you know, and, you know, he just got this – big contract extension, but I think part of that is now he's got a, an actual release clause in his new contract. So, you know, it doesn't, doesn't actually preclude him from actually going over to, you know, right. some, somewhere in Europe. Do you know what the release clause is by chance? Or is that public? I think Capology had it at like 30 million or something like that, but I'm not quite wow. sure if that was the last one or this, this one may be slightly different. They keep modifying. He's been here for, here for like three years. He's got like seven contracts and, you know, <laughs> Yeah, nice well, I mean, that's good, though. Yeah. He's a young kid. He's a, He just had a baby. Disney World. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, he's, chill, he's, he's having the time of his life. But so I love this team. This team is great. Silver-wise, this team's a little questionable sometimes because last year I did the experiment where I ran Orlando City stack the entire year in Champ America. Oh, boy. It did How much did well. you win? <laughs> 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 no, I won big versus the LA Galaxy. I think that's uh, you know, so we're like one for what 32, 34, something like yeah, that. Yeah, basically. It was like I think when I I think with Philly away it was like a perfect game where like I kind of just ended up winning because it was so much rotation that it kind of worked in my favor, but it was pretty bad. But uh we're gonna do this little thing where we're gonna kind of go through position by position real quick, look at these cards, see if there's anybody that you recommend to pick up, maybe build a little stack, see where you go. Goalkeepers, it's pretty chalked in, right? It's it's Pedro all the way. Yeah. But Pedro is going to be leaving for international duty. I mean, which is covered by Silver, though, right? Look at that L15, baby. Yeah, that sucks. This <laughs> is do you think, and like this might be like a trading question, maybe for Chris. Like, is there even is it even worth trying to pick up a Mason for like some flip in the international break with his L15 so high? 
Um, how how soon is the international break? Because like, will that game fall off? Is the question? You know, like, will that not be within the last fifteen? Oh no, it was like four games ago. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's not gonna fall off. Um, I don't know. It's still worth having a starting goalkeeper for however. I mean, however long it is, it's like a month. You know, is it that long, really? For Copa, international break that long? Yeah. For Copa, I mean, Copa's like a month. So, I mean, at least three weeks for like the group stage. So, I mean, you're you're talking about probably getting four or five games potentially out of, I don't know the exact schedule, but I mean, at that price, four or five games for a starting goalkeeper, got to think about it, you know? It, it's it's worth a shout. Mike, are we yeah. scooping? I think the thing to, to, to point out too, because I was getting a couple people hit me up on Discord asking about Otero. Um, whether he was going to displace Mason. Mm. I don't think that's the case. I think Mason's no, a pretty solid number two. And, you know, you can – I don't you know if I, if I necessarily see Mason, you know, at, at any point really going and, and being a starter. Do you? That was my question. I think it's more dangerous that Mason goes somewhere else and is to, to start. Like, he gets traded somewhere. I mean, he's been around long enough. He's quality. Like, he's not a bad keeper. I mean, yeah. he's susceptible to mistakes. The, the the goals that he does let in, they're bad. But for the most part, he's pretty good. So, like, I could definitely see him going to, like, oh, I don't know. But does he start in the MLS? Have you seen all the goalkeepers that we're starting to bring into the league? <laughs> <laughs> Berkey, Larice, Like, it's starting to get starting to get a little spicy in the goalkeeper. And I think the standard, and we talked about it before, going back and talking about Dane St. Clair, where it's like, you know, the quality of keeper, you know, isn't just a normal way. Hey, let's bring up the next guy from the academy up and he'll be, he'll be fine. It's a, it's a little bit more than that. So. I don't know. I don't I don't, know. Is it worth talking about a backup goalkeeper for this long? That's no, no, it's not. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Defenders. Robin Janssen. Rafael Santos. Is it in there? Because. Well, I hear it. Like, I, I think you're going to have Dagger Dan playing on the right, which, as someone who played his midfield card as a defender last year, was great when he got decisives, and that was it. Oh, yeah. No, his defender his defender stats are way better than his midfield stats, and it sucks. So, assuming, you know, new cards get released and you start seeing some defender cards, I think that would be attractive uh, for me. I know I'll be looking to uh, to, to pick up one of those. But um, I guess the question becomes, though, just in terms of center back, I mean, so the two big signings that I think all the Orlando City fans were expecting would be, you know, a, a designated player, center attacking mid, you know. So Nico for me is is kind of the stopgap. But then the other big piece is they send Antonio Carlos down to back home to Brazil. And then there's been rumors about other center backs. So obviously uh, the people that they've been rumored to, to be in on don't necessarily have any cards, but what do you get out of Rodrigo Schlegel? You know, he's got a red card suspension for the very first game from, uh, Imagine you know, from that. the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was drinking a lot of brown Talking. liquor and uh, tweeting about, about him after the playoff game. So. Oh man. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's funny. Cause like I missed all of it. Right. Cause it was like upsetting. So I wasn't on the internet. I woke up the next morning. I was like, what did Mike do? Like he did. He like literally got the whole fan base to turn on him. <laughs> I don't know what he ended up doing, but like, that's the thing, Chris is to you. Cause 
Schlegel was our starting center back. Is he a starting center back in this league? Like, obviously, Orlando City, they've shown intention. There were some rumors for some guy from, like, Norway or something like that for, like, some big spend. From Viking so, like, FK. Yeah, another Viking. We Bring love in the Vikings. Vikings. I, oh, I yeah. will say this. Now, if shithousing were an actual so rare stat, then he would be like primo top top of the charts and everything. So he is a great shit Alzer. I will I will hundred percent give you that. Okay. I'll say I don't I don't, know. I, I don't know. I kind of think he could be. He could be a starter. Like I've always viewed Orlando as having three starting center backs and like Schlegel always is like on the field. Like I don't view him as the backup center back. Um so I I mean I could see that being the case for sure. My question with the defenders is your your guy Mikey Halliday. Like, where does he fit into this picture? Because he's a USU twenty guy, you know. Like, so here's so we he shipped. Playing? So Luca Petrasso, he went on loan to like third division Spain or something like that. Yeah, Serie so C in Italy. Yeah. Oh yeah, so Italy. So like it's something like that. So it's we still have no depth. We have no backup left back. We still have Kyle Smith on this roster. Dagger Dan seems to be our new right back who is a midfielder. Um I I could still see how they making a run at right back. I mean, part of his issue was he when he went out last year, he came back and he had kind of picked up some, I think some muscular issues, something like that. Um and he was pretty productive early on in the season when he was, he was good. Yeah, he was really good. I remember Did he, I uh, had him from the US two twenty team. T Grace, the Tigris game. Like, dude, he he went he went down to Mexico and played like a grown man. Yeah. Like he went down there and really hung with the big boys. So like it was cool. And we were all like, oh yeah, this is Mikey season. Then he got hurt. And then here comes attacking midfield dagger Dan yeah. to <laughs> take that spot from him. I don't know, man. I, I love Mikey. Like everybody was saying, I, I rate Mikey highly. Halliday highly. But uh yeah, I think it's just a wait and see because I think I think do you do you agree, Mike, that it's pretty much daggers to lose at this point right now? Especially Yeah, I think it definitely starts that way. I mean, they give you different things. I mean, Halliday is a little bit more kind of the overlapping where I think Dagger Dan is kind of like the you know inverted fullback. He likes to come into the midfield because that's where he's comfortable. But he can kind of do some of those things. So I think just in terms of where the, the season starts, I think it's it's dagger dance to start, and then we'll we will see Halliday. I, I mean, to be fair, I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a, a rotational, um, you know, it may be a position to kind of avoid altogether just because you don't don't really know. Can we also admit that Dagger Dan has one of the best names that I've ever heard of? And I honestly <laughs> thought it was a nickname that people were just calling him. Nope. I look on Sora and that's his actual fucking name. Like, what a fucking guy. Like, come on. Dagger, Dagger Dan. Thor Hallison, dude. Are Icelandic? Bro, he, yeah. I would have signed him just for the name. I don't care how good a player he is. Yeah. I just want I want a dagger Dan on my team. Yeah. Like Mike Baston says, Schlegel is totally Sergio Ramos level and it's great. <laughs> and I don't I don't care. I don't care if we spend 10 million on a center back, but when we play Miami, if I don't get Schlegel versus Luis Suarez, I'm I'm just upset. Because <laughs> oh if God. there's anything I need, That'd I just need so Schlegel nice. versus Luis Suarez in my life. And you better give it to me. Oscar Pereja, if you're listening, I need it in my life. Real quick, built for Concacaf. That's yeah. I, I can see like the Eastern <laughs> Conference final, and they're like playing Messi, and he like tries to break Messi's arm or something, like uh, like Ramos did to uh, Mo Salah in the Champions League final. Like I, I could 100 percent see that going. I, I just can't wait for the game. I just want to see Felipe and Caesar and everyone just like just. 
<laughs> yeah, all mic'd up for some of those games. You know, if 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 MLS doesn't do some sort of mic'd up version for for you know those games, and they're they're missing out. Hundred percent. Real quick, two things before we move on to midfielders. One, it's a travesty that MLS books Miami versus Orlando in Miami on a Wednesday. Like, what the hell are you doing? That should be on the weekend primetime game. Like, you're dumb. Second of all, if you had to pick one defender to play from this Orlando City team right now, who would it be? Uh, to play in SO5. I'd say you gotta be Santos. I mean, he's he's locked down on that left side. He gets forward. You know, he'll pump in crosses. He'll, he'll get the, you know, decisives. And then, you know, I, we didn't always get clean sheets last year. Right. But, um, you know, we got a, a fair bit of them, not as many as in previous years. But I I think he's just kind of the one I'd play. And then, I mean, Janssen, the scores, if you look from from two, three years ago, they're they're down partially because of just just because of the way that that uh, some of the I think I caught an, an interview at one point. He was just saying that a lot of the the midfields where he would normally kind of dribble into and have a lot more progressive play would would just kind of uh, kind of push him out wide. So you know, I'm not. So he didn't get quite as many uh, opportunities as he did the previous years. Plus, so like line breaking passes kind of, and stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. he's great at pinging those big balls over the top. I mean, and that's that really what it what makes him effective. But just in terms of you know the scoring matrix doesn't doesn't necessarily love those because it's obviously a low percentage pass when you're just try, trying to ping it 55 yards. Yeah, and you get penalized you so heavily for that when you lose possession as a defender. It's like yeah. anything like that. That's why a lot of times fullbacks end up being super feast or famine. Like Julian Gressel is a great example. Like if he connects two or three of those passes, then he's gonna have a monster day with like a bunch of attempted assists and all that fun stuff. Um, but if he doesn't, he's going to have like a minus 25 AA and it's going to look terrible. Um, I do kind of think, so this is, uh, Santos's chart. Um, and I, I would tend to go with like, I feel like the safer option is Janssen. Um, but I feel like Santos probably has more upside with the decisive, you know, threat. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of leaning the more upside play. So I would probably go Santos too, but Honestly, if you're trying to play like a cap mode, it's maybe um, maybe Janssen. Yeah, so I mean, I, and and when we're talking, because I don't necessarily play a lot of full Orlando City stacks either, but when I do play, I, I have uh, a couple of the supers that I have are I have a Janssen and then I have a, a Galese. So I'll do like the mini stack, and you know I've got a couple other Orlando City players that you know I might throw in there, but I, you know I kind of limit it to to three and then i'll have a couple like a pair from some other team is how i normally will that that's a good point if you're gonna stack it with the goalkeeper i feel like you want to go with jansen because he's gonna have more like he'll have more value in a shutout like you pretty much need a shutout at that point um so like he'll have more value in a shutout whereas on his own maybe maybe santos has more upside that makes sense i can see that i can see that i like it i like it Midfielders, all right. We got we got Cartagena back, all right, for two years. All right. We got our two double pivot in the back. I I assume it's gonna stay the same. There are a lot of midfielders to choose from in this team. We have Facundo Torres, obviously 100 percent lock. I think we could all agree. Yes. All right. Oh, yeah. Which I don't know about you guys, but me, I typically always play two midfielders. Uh it's I feel like that's the way most people play. Um Especially if you did have yeah. 
Yeah. If you did have to choose another one, uh, I mean, Cartagena and Caesar are both very crucial in the midfield. Um, both aren't really, you know, attacking dangers too much. They do have them in them. They are known to do so. Um, Wilder kind of had a rough end of the season after League's Cup. Uh, he, he looks really rough. Uh, Red who, cards who, in there. Yeah. 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 Uh, who, who would you go with here? Are you a Caesar? Are you Team Caesar or Team Cartagena? Uh, I've always enjoyed Caesar, so I I would say say him just because I think he's uh, you know just uh, and more than anything, it's probably just like the U twenty two label. Uh, you know, I, he he covers a lot of ground. I think I I was looking at some of his actual stats, and um, you know, it, he I don't think really either of them get a whole ton of decisives, but when they do, they they can clean up for sure. But it's it's just kind of a low percentage play. Oh, and that's the best part with Caesar too, because when yeah, like like you're saying, when he does hit him, like he hits him, and he because he has the AA, it's already there. So if he yeah. can bang a decisive, and you and you almost started to see it, and like you saw it a little bit earlier in the beginning, but Caesar almost plays that Urso role where he he makes that late run in behind, sneaks in behind everybody else, and he just smacks it. And right. a lot of the times, it's not far off, or he's hit the post, or even Cartagena, same thing, same thing had a couple bangers with really, really good goalkeeper saves where it's like they want it and, yeah. and they're interested in it. But uh, yeah, because I've had people in my DMs too that always ask me, they're like, hey, who should I go with? Who should I pick up? Um, I think Cartagena is better for cat modes uh, simply because he does have those ups and downs more where Caesar's a little bit more consistent. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling on this? I'm team give me someone from another team because I don't <laughs> think Facundo needs to be paired with anybody other than Duncan McGuire potentially. But yeah, I'm well, not starting either one. To that point, I, I looked this up. So the, the guy that Facundo actually paired well with was Urchon Carr, who is now in Turkey. Right. That right. makes so, sense. Because so he you sits look on the end of those Facundo, crosses. Yeah. So if you look at his stats last year, um he assisted five different players. The big the biggest one was Carr. And they had 12 different players actually assist Facundo, which okay. is why it doesn't make any sense to stack with it, with Facundo in there because right. unless something changes, which it could, I mean, you know, I think if he does start carrying the ball and, and develops a little bit more chemistry with, with Duncan, uh, I, I did that stack where I, I, I had Facundo and I had Duncan and uh, the, the results weren't great last year. So, you know, hopefully they develop a little bit more chemistry in the off season. And, and uh, but you know, I, I, it's there's just too much variability in, involved with actually trying to to stack Facundo. So, so Red Data has this beautiful thing on stacks, right? The interesting one here is Dagger Dan is actually the highest percentage of common over sixty games. So maybe, wow, maybe an interesting like sneaky stack there. Um, that was him and Facundo ended up kind of linking up a lot, like towards the end of the season, didn't they? Now looking back at it, yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I mean, you get you get Dagger Dan kind of running up on that right side. I mean, the thing about it is when you're looking at our midfield, you know, everyone makes a lot of well, what do you play Facundo, this left left wing, left attacking mid, or whatever? They interchange so much that the you know, and they have freedom to kind of float around the field that you don't even really know where they're going to pop up. So a lot of times you would actually see them kind of swap sides. So Ojeda and and uh, 
you know, or Angulo and Facundo would just kind of like change sides as the, the game went on. And then you'd end up having Dagger Dan just kind of running up in the same area, just trying to get these little, you know, little combination play, get in and spring, you know, something in the box and all that. So it's, it's just, uh, you know, to, to that point, I think, you know, some of those defenders, especially when, when you get the ball up and up in the uh, opponent's third, and then they're just looking to try and some combinations to get through there, you know, Dagger Dan could be the guy. So is Dagger Dan the sneaky early season buy for next season? Especially if Silver is going to continue doing this, like you need one or two new season cards for, you know, to play in this cash competition. Is a uh, Dagger Dan kind of a sneaky little buy there early? He's my buy. I mean, I'm buying his defender card, so. Is he is, is he too risky, though, with Holiday? Like the, the chance of him losing his job? I don't think so. I mean, I, I he's so versatile that they'll put him somewhere else. He would so, have to get hurt probably yeah. for it to really be. Because I mean, yeah, if you really look at it, he is a little bit more attacking oriented. And I think that's, uh, you know, it, it was a little bit of a de departure to have him play back out and, you know, playing playing defender. I mean, he had to really learn how not to, to you know, keep players on sides and, and things like it, run the outside, tra offside trap. So, oh man, you know, once he settled into that. Then, then that's when you saw him really, you know, get a lot more playing time and all that. So, say Mikey Holiday has a ridiculous preseason, can't put him on the bench. We want to move Dagger Dan somewhere else. Who gets benched? Because <laughs> you guys got so many midfielders and they're all like locked. You know, like, yeah. Where else is he gonna go? Because yeah, Gaston no. Gonzalez is still floating up there too. Yeah, so Hero plays on the wing. Gaston, another year removed from that ACL injury. I mean, he could, you know. If he's if he's fit, then you know maybe he displaces Angulo. But yeah, I mean, I th I to to that point, if Mikey is is pushing Dagger Dan, then I think Dagger Dan goes to the bench. I don't think he displaces anyone in the midfield. Oh, Either way, that's a really good problem to have. If you have Mike, if you have two young kids, just literally just fighting day in and day out for that right back position, is going only going to make it that much better. And they've yeah. both proven that they could produce on that side and. uh it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. All right. This is going to be about as short as a conversation as we get. <laughs> America runs on Duncan, baby. Yeah. My question is, is he staying? Until the Olympics. Have we, have we like, like, is he officially staying? Yeah. I mean, or we don't know. I think it's a very low percentage that he actually leaves. Do you think that re-signing Facundo almost like solidifies that? Like, hey, we're gonna it almost like confirms that hey, we're keeping this team together. We're just gonna upgrade some pieces and make another push because this team looked incredibly dangerous going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, for for me, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's accurate. You know, I, the thing about Duncan in particular is, you know, you you lose him for the Olympics, and you can always see that Ramiro. Enrique was was the one that um, you know he, he he could play out wide on on the wing or he'll play play up top. So I would expect you know him to kind of eat into some of some of Duncan's uh, minutes here or there. But just in terms of just an out and out, who who's the starting striker on on day one versus? Well, I guess we're we're doing this versus Cavalry. Yeah. For the uh, the Concacaf Champions show, it's going to be Duncan. There's no doubt about it. Is he Duncan. worth playing in so rare? We talking Duncan? We talking Ramiro? Duncan. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, I, yeah, he hasn't shown the multi goal game, but uh, you know, I, 
I, See, this I is my concern. He isn't. He doesn't do any AA at all, right? And I don't want an MLS. If he gets a goal, great. He's a sixty, but like sixties don't win rewards. You gotta right. have like eighties, nineties, hundreds. It requires um, service. So like, no doubt. Potentially a cap for sure, but like in an open competition, doesn't does he have like a ceiling where he's not gonna score eighty points in a game? I think he does. I th- I don't think it's there yet, but I think he does because you see him you see him do a lot of the little things, and he has to work on his hold up play and a lot of turnovers here and there. And my thing is like he just needs to get stronger. Like he does he does barrel through a lot of people, but a lot of the times like he struggles to like really play off a defender sometimes. Like on particularly bigger bigger defenders, mm-hmm. bigger on like bigger defenders. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where it, it might come in this year. Like I'm saying. Even whether it's Nico or a new like young DP ten, one more like attacking like dangerous like piece in there to take a little bit of the pressure off of Duncan too. I think it's just gonna like incredible. Every you're gonna have Angulo running that way. You're gonna have Facundo doing some like cool stuff over here. You're gonna have Duncan like literally sprinting through somebody, and then Nico's gonna be like, "Oh, what's up? Who wants it?" Yeah. <laughs> La- last question on Duncan for both of you guys. I want I want to hear both of your answers. How many goals does he score this year? How many did he score this year? I'd say 12. 15 last year. I'd say 12 because I think Ramiro is going to pick up some of his, um, you know, eat into some of his time. That's that's my guess. Uh, I mean, that's a good shout. 23 do... starts and 13 off the bench. He had 15 goals. I'll do – I say he'll go, he'll go over 10. How much more, I don't know, because if he is going to leave for the Olympics, we have all this other stuff too. With if Even with that – there's going to be training camps. There's going to be wanting to share that those minutes with Ramiro, trying to get him like into the system, get him like match fit. It's a, uh, it might not be as smooth sailing for Duncan this year as it was in previous years. Yeah. He might, he might be onto something there. So no AA and 10 to 12 goals. For an entire but season. for the future. <laughs> all right. Because he's young. All right. And he's going to be great for the rest of forever because Orlando city is massive. Duh. <laughs> Actually, that's a good that's a good last question to end on. Though the team overall, right? Where do they finish in the league? How far do they get in the playoffs? I, I think so much of that depends on whether they, you know, uh, center back. I'm not worried about finding a center back, but you know, what do you do with that center attacking mid? If it if it takes until the summer, then I think they regress slightly. You know, maybe. I'd still still give them a home playoff game, so but but probably in that three four spot. It's just so hard to kind of predict, particularly the East this year. You got Atlanta's going to be good. You got Miami's going to be good. You got you know will will be good again. Yeah, Columbus, Columbus is, is still still there. And Philly, Kyle Wagner's back. Just Kyle, yeah. So, I just hope the East um, just continues to beat beat up on the West uh, like it like it did last year. So. Chris, where are they finishing? I don't know. We just we just talked about my concern with this team, right? Like, I think they're maybe a little bit better than they were last year, but I also don't – I don't know if that's good enough to keep the number two spot, if that makes sense. Like, I think other teams are getting better faster. And um, even, like, potentially what happens – like, what if Toronto catches fire? Like, John Herdman gets Insigne going? Like, I mean – I don't know. I, I oh, think Orlando's more okay, complete okay, than buddy. Toronto, but like I've seen weirder things. Like I've seen weirder turnarounds, and this league is all about 
Like it does not matter where you finish last year. It's it's like a brand new season every single year. And teams that finish first can be can miss the playoffs. Like Austin last year finished second and missed the playoffs by a lot. It wasn't really even that close. So um, I don't think they're Austin or anything like that. But I do think there's nowhere to go but down. Right? Like they were second last year. I don't think they're the best team in the East. So like they almost have to go down. I think they're. I think they're fighting for home playoff. I think they're more the four or five spot for me. Um, but I think it'll be a, a better team talent-wise, if that makes sense. We had a lot of results go our way this year. Right. That's and, um, you know, so we got, I, we got away Luck, with a few. Yeah. I think Luck was definitely on our side. So I think from that standpoint, that's where I'm thinking, you know, if, if you kind of, you come out, you hit a home run with, uh, you know, this, the number 10 spot and then, you got an absolute game changer. It steps in day one that I think, you know, it's completely realistic that they, you know, get the, a number one, number two, you know, seed. But for the most part, the way that I'm a kind of expecting it to go where they don't necessarily get somebody until maybe into the season or even into the summer. That's where I see a little bit of regression. So we'll see. It'll be yeah, an interesting one for sure. No, I, d- I definitely think that's right. I think, I think you both hit it on the nail where look, we, we did get away with some and uh, where I do think, it'll be prettier this year because we really scraped and fought for some of those that uh this team will be better but like everybody said the east is getting better atlanta miami i mean columbus i'm starting to get a little worried about cincinnati they shipped off a lot and they haven't really brought much back yeah i don't uh but they got a great defense though is Corey baird gonna get it done (laughs) oh hell yeah Corey baird season let's go don't pump them till I buy a rare one. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be old school DC with like Lucha Acosta and nothing else on the field. This oh, way. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sit there and watch of DC, does, uh, does Orlando get more than one point against DC this year? <laughs> All right. Dude, this episode has been fantastic. All right. Chris has always been here. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. We'll have you on again. Guys, anybody who is here in the chat, thanks for hanging out. Anybody who listens to it after it, we are going to be bringing you every MLS team from the league one by one. Next week might have St. Louis and Philly. I don't know. Let us know, though. These are for you as much as they are for us. Let us know what you want to see, how we can make these better, and uh, we'll go from there. And don't forget, Mike, let them know. Orlando City is massive. (laughs) There it is.